Shabbat Shalom once again. This past week, I had a conversation with my dear friend and a friend of the Phoenix Jewish community, Rabbi Darren Kleinberg. Along with being a mensch, Darren's a big thinker and a visionary. We were talking about education, particularly Jewish education. While I was listening, Darren tapped the sap from a tree of life and boiled it into this sweet syrup. The ultimate value of an education must be determined by the kind of human being the student becomes. Wow! That would require a radically different set of metrics to measure success. Of course, this is not theoretical or ivory tower pedagogy. What can we teach our community that can help us navigate choppy waters in difficult times, to manage stress, to deal with life when it is simply not fair. How, for example, might we use this week's Torah portion, Vayera, to guide us in times like these? So let's take a look together. Sarah, as we learned last week, has gone 10 years without being able to bear a child. Though no doubt distraught in her barrenness, in an expansive moment, Sarah invites Abraham, her husband, to consort with her maid servant, Hagar, in the hopes of giving Abraham a child. Abraham heeds his wife's offer. Abraham cohabitated with Hagar and she conceives. Human nature kicks in, and Sarah's momentary expansiveness devolves into jealousy, and she begins to deal harshly with her maidservant, Hagar. Hagar takes refuge by fleeing into the wilderness, where an angel of God finds her by a spring. The angel lets Hagar know she will bear a son, and she is to name the boy Yishmael, literally, God hears. As we pick up the story this week, miraculously, Sarah conceives and bears a son they name Yitzchak. Her jealousy towards Hagar now turns into fear that Yishmael will corrupt his younger brother Isaac. Sarah now demands that Abraham cast away Hagar and Yishmael. Abraham, understandably distressed, is told by God to follow Sarah's request. 
Abraham provides Hagar with some bread and a skin of water and sends her in the and the child to wander in the wilderness, likely never expecting to see them again, likely not expecting either to live. When the meager provisions were gone, Hagar, out of desperation, placed her child under a bush, sat down at a distance from her son, and prayed, let me not look on and see the child die, as she then burst into tears. Then something miraculous happens once again. The text says, Veishma Elohim et kol hanaar veikrach malach Elohim el hagar min hashamayim. God heard Yishma, the cry of Yishmael, and an angel of God called to Hagar from heaven. Interestingly, we don't read that the boy cried at all. Perhaps the empathic power of a mother channeling the distress of a child to reach the ears of heaven. The angel assures Hagar, God has heeded the cry of the boy where he is. It's God that heeds the silent cries of the boy, yet it is Hagar that is the one to act. Maybe God had to first reassure Hagar that she was not alone. God meets Hagar where she is, paralyzed to act, save for the power of empathy. It seems like God is by Hagar's side when she is instructed, come, lift the boy and hold him by his hand. When we are paralyzed by distress, and each of us can relate to this in some way, we are encouraged by the universe to do something, however small it might be. Reach down and pick someone up, hold their hand. Feeling helpless is as life-threatening as running out of food and water. The Hebrew, the hachaziki, et yadech, is loosely translated as hold him by his hand. Yet the literal meaning is make your hand strong in his. As the rabbis teach, often when we are fearful or depressed, we gain strength and courage 
by taking someone else's hand and helping that person. Each action, however small, is life-saving for the receiver and for the giver. The text continues. Then God, no longer needing an angel as an intermediary, opens Hagar's eyes and she saw a well of water. Each act leads to another. Before lifting someone up and holding another's hand, the prospects of discovering a well of water is simply unimaginable. If you can't imagine it, you'll likely never see it. Now, the mother is able to fill the skin with water to let the boy drink and to drink herself. Rabbi Blair Nosan, a wonderful young rabbi in Woodbury, Connecticut, who I just happened upon in preparing for this evening. She offers a beautiful insight connected to Hagar in this story. She writes, our chapter ends with a seemingly disconnected encounter. Abraham reproaches Avimelech, the Philistine king, for the wells of water that were seized by Avimelech. It got me thinking, Rabbi Nosan reflected, maybe the well that saved Hagar in the desert was not a miracle in the sense that it appeared out of nowhere. The miracle had been digging wells all along so that they would be there when someone needed them. As it is every Shabbat, our community shows up with different needs. My guess is that in some part, what we communicate in words, in songs, in body language, and in silence is a projection of our own needs. When I use as an example tonight, helping navigate choppy waters in difficult times, managing stress, dealing with life when it's simply not fair, well, I for sure am expressing my needs, and I'm guessing I'm not alone. But what's most important, as Rabbi Kleinberg reminds us, is that the way we receive Torah impacts how we act in the world, how we respond when times get tough, and how we respond in joyful times. The wells that nourish and sustain us are there when we need them most. You are not alone.
Shabbat Shalom. Father.